0: Houston and the Blind, make yourselves comfortable. I'm Ken Carson. <laughs> I'm Brian Gill.
1: And I'm Richard Barton. This is Mad About Movies. You sound insane. you realize that?
0: Oh, yeah. It's the whole world got crazy. Are you serious? Ladies it's showtime. Mad About Movies is your go to show. For all things cinema, we talk movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings, and we give you a detailed analysis of our chosen movie of the week. But don't worry, we will warn you before we go into spoilers. Please stay tuned till the end of the episode for a week recommends, in which we suggest something that you should check out. And remember, you can find all our episodes at MadaboutMoviesPodcast.com, and you can email us at MadaboutMoviesPodcast at gmail.com. This week's movie of
2: the week, Brian, is Alfonso Cuaron's Gravity.
1: is off
0: structure. I gotta admit, man, this is probably my most anticipated of the fall. Yeah. we we've, we've been talking about this one for a long time, anticipating it. And I think we all from the get-go said it would be great. And Brian and I had the chance to see this one together where Richard was out on business uh, last, uh, last week. And it was awesome to see something without Richard for a change. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than finally, that...
2: Yeah, we could finally make out without him judging us.
1: Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Um, not, not because of the homosexual behavior, but I just have very high standards for making out. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. I'm just a technician. But just a really cool experience screening this with Brian,
0: and we'll talk about it a lot later, but this is one that we're going to have a fun time talking about uh, for obvious reasons. But there are a lot of movie news, rumors and rumblings to go over, so let's do that first. Movie news. Yes! Rumors and rumblings. That's
2: awesome! Let the filibustering begin!
0: Guys, You, you. we briefly started discussing a, a list that was revealed this week. Yeah. And Quentin Tarantino is a is a guy that we love on this podcast. I mean, his last movie, Django Unchained, literally inspired this podcast. I think the first episode of Mad About <laughs> yeah. Movies was Django Unchained. It's true. So, I mean, our love for for Tarantino is plentiful, uh, and I respect Quentin Tarantino for his love of cinema and his knowledge of cinema. But there are certain things that he says that just I just don't understand. And so last week or this past week, a, a list had surfaced online. A lot of websites picked up on it. And I don't know how official the list is, but I'm assuming pretty official since nothing has come out in the past few days to refute the list at all. Yeah. But So Quentin Tarantino has released his list of the top ten movies of 2013 so far. And a lot of a couple of these movies haven't come out yet, which I'm sure he had seen or hadn't come out at the time he released the list, including Gravity, so I guess he had seen Gravity at a at a yeah. screening at a festival or something. But I'm just gonna go down this list and this is an alphabetical order list of Quentin Tarantino's top ten movies of twenty thirteen so far. Uh one, Afternoon Delight, which I've never heard of. Have you guys <laughs> heard of that? No.
1: Two, three, four. Gonna find <laughs> my bed. Gonna hold her tight.
0: Come on, Brian So I guess think- that scene from Anchorman made his top ten Sky list.
2: rockets in flight. Boo! There you go. Um,
0: number two is Before Midnight, the Richard Lank letter. I have heard of that. And I have heard that yeah. was good.
1: Yeah. So I'll mm-hmm. give him
0: a pass there. Number three, Blue Jasmine, which we, of course, cool. I mean, it's obvious Tw- Tarantino's going to put that on there. Uh, the Conjuring which is a horror movie and I have heard it's the best I haven't seen it but I have heard it's the best horror movie of the year and it did like crazy big yeah. box office numbers and I've heard good things I heard it was really really a scary movie so I'll give him a pass there kind of. Number 5 Drinking Buddies which I haven't seen have you seen this Richard?
1: I know of it and it's Anna heard Kendrick heard yeah, I heard good things about this, actually. I have too. Yep. Uh, didn't Bill Simmons do a podcast on it? I think he Yeah, did. he talked to Cloak to uh, Coasterman. Yeah, Coasterman had just seen it. coastman was yeah. really affected by it in a weird way. Yeah, uh, but I I've just, got
2: that marked on my queue on uh, like voodoo or whatever, yeah. whatever streaming. Apparently, the entire out. movie was like improvised or unscripted yeah. Yeah. or something, like yeah.
0: something interesting like that. So it's I'll a, a mumblecore
2: movie. Yeah, so it's number six,
0: Francis Ha. Which yeah, I haven't I haven't seen or heard. That's of.
2: Uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy who did uh, the Squid and the Whale
1: yeah. and Greenberg. What's his name? Um, it's uh, he wrote he wrote uh, Noah Baumbach. Noah Baumbach. And it's got yeah. Greta Gerwig in the lead. Yeah, sure. and Adam Driver, who is a uh, an actor to watch, by the way. True story.
2: I I make a point of watching. Like if I sit down to watch a movie, I'm going to watch the whole movie. I have refused to finish all of Noah Brom movies. Like every single one I've sat down to watch the nope, never <laughs> mind. Can't do this. Yeah. I know like a lot of filmmakers bleak. love him and bleak. he's Yeah. Um I just I, I can't stand most of his I think I find his work to be completely insufferable. But the I know a lot of people like him.
1: The favorite uh and it's Francis Hall is actually already out in Criterion, believe it or not. Yeah, uh, which is high praise. But, uh, give all of our friends guess whose favorite director is Noah Bombach. Who? Producer Steven.
0: Really? Wow! Introducer of Mad About Movies podcast. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we need to rethink our producer position. I think no, I'm just you may, you may yeah. fire me after my yeah. my hot <laughs> sports opinion there. Um. So number seven is Gravity, just which we're talking about. Turn in your
1: about. mic and go home. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna stray a little bit from alphabetical here. I'm gonna save the best for last. Yeah, do uh, that. this is this is the end. Made his list, okay. which which I did rewatch, and it's a lot funnier than I remember. I think okay. it's gonna go down as sort of a little cult classic. I think it's pretty pretty funny movie, and I'll give Tarantino a pass there. But the other two, numbers <laughs> nine and ten, Kick-Ass two, uh. and. The Lone Ranger.
1: <laughs> at, least, at least he didn't put "Now You See Me" on there. Great. Right. Oh right. man, what we might we have to done?
2: yeah not ever see another one of his movies. Did we go that no. far? Oh maybe. Oh
0: man. I mean, what so, justification? Well, now I can now now I can see why. Now, now Tarantino could make a great Lone Ranger movie. I think totally. Yeah. You know? And. Do you think here, with this top 10 list, he he looked at it and said, if I had made these movies, they would have been awesome. So that's why I like them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think if if Tarantino had made Kick-Ass 2, it would have been awesome.
2: You know? I think he's only seen 10 movies this year. So, I mean, Lone Ranger and and, uh, Kick-Ass 2, they have to make the list. If you've only seen 10 movies, then, I mean, (laughs) seen 11 – then at least one of those movies is coming off the list, right? Like, if yeah. yeah, such twelve movies this year, there's no way either of those two can make your actual top ten list. So
1: there's um, you guys, I've recommended him a couple times on here, and I'm certainly not the first to be a fan of. I I feel stupid bringing it up, but there there was a writer who uh, was predominant in the '90s named David Foster Wallace, and he wrote very. He had a large interest in philosophy and these very long. Uh, epic f- philosophical texts that were, you know, very dense and things like that. He's a brilliant person. He 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 killed himself in two thousand and eight. And before he died, though, he he released his top ten favorite books of all time, and uh, they included Red Dragon by Thomas Harris, Silence mm-hmm. of the Lambs, Some of All Fears, um, yeah. The Stand, The Thin Red Line. Uh, these sort of like lowbrow uh books and like no one could figure out if he was kidding or not and then he killed yeah. himself <laughs> and uh i'm not saying there's something sort of sweet about these like geniuses and i think they find their brains are so i think Tarantino watches movies in ways that we can't even comprehend and i think yeah. whatever pleases that brain on a purely almost visceral level he likes yeah um because his his movies certainly are not at all influenced by any of these movies, right? I mean, I I know we haven't seen what comes next, but I've seen his top ten lists before, and they're always questionable. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, I I think there's something to be said of these kind of uh, almost sociopathic, uh, (laughs) you know, these people that are almost riddled with some sort of autism. They're so smart. And uh, that the, the fact that they find, you know, some things like the Lone Ranger appealing is certainly confusing uh it's like when Bob Dylan made that awful Christmas album a few years ago, um you know it happens, so we, we just we enjoy it and we laugh at it, and we can't tell if he's joking or serious, and I think that's how he wants it, and so on and so forth even even if there are
0: elements of of the Lone Ranger and Kick Ass Two that out of context could be mistaken for entertaining.
1: And might I uh, add, parathetically, they're not. There's not. But let's yeah. just say hypothetically my, my, even in are.
0: that, Even hypothetically, <laughs> if that's the case, there are elements in those two movies that are so bad that it totally negates any possibility of entertainment from the rest. Do you know what I mean? And like, How can yeah. Quint- Quentin Tarantino watch that? Like I mean, watch Kick-Ass 2? And say, Oh, I really like the part where Jim Carrey went, you know, ape on the guy and beat him yeah. with the with the baseball bat. Okay, that's cool. But the stuff with Chloe Moretz and like <laughs> at the school and everything, like how does that not ruin the movie for you, you know? Like how despite all the bad stuff, does it still you're, you're not you're not taking it far you on a visceral level. I just don't understand it.
2: The Lone Ranger the worst parts of the Lone Ranger ruined the entire month of July. Like that's <laughs> yeah that's how bad that movie is. So no, yeah, it it it's either a bit or it's 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 just what Richard said. Like he's he is a complete <laughs> He's such a weirdo that he's seeing some strange thing that for some reason appeals to him and it's it's overriding common sense. <laughs> I, I don't know. You
0: know. At least Now You See Me wasn't on the list though. I mean that is good. He did see Now You See Me. You know he did. He <laughs> sees everything. You know, Tarantino I has a PR like in to his do. house. That's he's got a 35 creepy. millimeter projector in his house. And <laughs> he literally buys the film stock in, for these movies, you know, and watches them. So, I mean, he sees everything. How great would it have been if it was on the top ten? If it was number one and
2: Quentin Did Tarantino you know he's ends, just
0: trolling us. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino directs Now You See Me 2, his first sequel, his first <laughs> ever non-Quentin Tarantino written and directed movie.
1: He's like, I, just love the I don't what it has first. to
0: take. I just want to be involved.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Would that make you more or less excited? For uh, oh, now, you man. see me too. Uh, more
0: excited to make fun of it. <laughs> but it wouldn't. It wouldn't really stray away from my affection for Tarantino, though. Because no, he's
1: great. He for does. what he's
0: done up till now, is fine, and that he's stuff will great. always be great. It's
1: wonderfully crazy. I mean, this is yeah. In a in a politically correct world, it's fun to have someone that is fully embraces. Like, you know, he's experiencing things that I don't think we can even begin to experience in movie watching. And let's allow him to do so and enjoy his, uh, you know what, look, hey, it, hey, Disney, it only cost you uh, $250 million to get Quentin Tarantino to like your movie. So congrats. <laughs> but this is an interesting next step for, I think a Depp-Tarantino collaboration could be interesting.
0: I think that could, too. I mean, I really do. That's that's one of the only things I think Johnny Depp has left.
1: Yeah. but I mean,
0: he, That he hasn't done.
2: But has Tarantino ever written a character that has white face paint? Because, I, mean, I mean, he's not very experienced in that world, at least. So
1: No, maybe. I don't know. White, he, you know, he, maybe he'll back out just like Will Smith. Like, hey, I really like the script, but uh, I just don't think it's for me. I heard he's
0: doing a movie about a gang of mimes. So <laughs> if that comes to fruition, then Johnny Depp's probably the first person he'll call. Um, let's, let's talk about some other movie news, rumors, rumblings. Uh, Avengers 2 cast, um, two people have been announced. Scarlet Witch, Elizabeth Olsen, yeah. and Quicksilver, Aaron Taylor-Johnson from Kick-Ass, who plays Kick-Ass. Uh, so what do you guys think? Brian, what do you think about these two being added to the Avengers?
2: I love Elizabeth Olsen. I I think she's fantastic. Uh so I I like that that casting Aaron Taylor-Johnson, you know, has been decent in a couple of things. So that's, you know, that's good. That's good uh ca- I neither one of these characters are going to be huge parts of the movie, so you know, however good or bad they are, probably is not going to have that much How impact are they going to have
1: time for I'm I know. really interested in this movie because it's it seems like it's kind of going crazy casting wise to me. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: So I mean, yeah, trust Joss. I mean,
1: I do, I do, I trust. I him. do. I
0: I mean, yeah. He said that, and we'll talk about this now. He said that Black Widow is going to have a huge role in the new Avengers,
2: and I don't, I just don't, I don't see why. Well, because that, that's Joss, though. That's his thing. I mean, he's he's, he's known feminine. for writing for women, and the Avengers was like the first thing he's ever done that wasn't female centric. Uh, yeah, female centric, and so I think he feels like he has to make up for that.
0: I guess. I, I guess so. I mean, if that. I'm just saying, if that takes any time away from Downey or Hemsworth or
2: yeah. You know Ruffalo? No. i yeah. <laughs> uh, You can take Chris, yeah. You can take Chris Evans screen time. That, that's okay. Yeah. I, yeah that's, and, that's the thing. And, and, and Jeremy, Jeremy Ritter's Ritter, not going to yeah. be in this movie, so you 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 know you can fill that space up with so Black they, Widow. They just got rid of Jeremy Ritter. What's the story? I on heard that? he's back he, actually. Oh, is he? Did he, he come back? He was
0: supposedly recast, but apparently they worked out whatever negotiation that he didn't agree with. Yeah, I mean, which depresses me. I don't really don't two flips about Jeremy Ritter and Avengers. He really didn't do it for me at all in the first one, so I I could I could go without him for a movie, you know? Yeah, I think the
2: movie could go without him. I I don't think it's fair to put that on Jeremy Renner because his character was nothing. Like he didn't have anything to work with at all. But, but I, I I could do say... without that character completely in these movies. Yeah, yeah, I could. Too. Hey, I mean, he shoots arrows,
1: guys.
0: <laughs> or, yeah, he he was apparently really upset about about how his character was portrayed in Avengers. Yeah, and, and, he, and how honest, can you how can you, can you possibly like, be
2: upset though? I you're in the Avengers. Sucks, what that character sucks. Like it Avengers does, but, is great, but that character is pretty terrible. It's like I kind of get where he's coming from. If I signed on to do Avengers and I'm going to play one of the main. Superheroes, like, sweet, this is gonna be great, and then you get in, and you're like, oh, this is what I'm doing the whole time. All right, this is not. I mean, why didn't I just go play Robin Hood? You know what I mean? Like, it's there's
1: nothing there. Yeah, but in his defense, they have to give that screen time and sort of backstory and things to to actors with actual charisma. <laughs> True, and and or a pulse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's.
0: I, I agree. There. Let's let's talk about a little bit more. Disney-esque casting news. Star Wars 7 rumors are still swirling about. Um, Apparently they're deep into the casting process now. Auditioning people, talking to actors, trying to get these lead roles booked so that they can start to book principal photography coming up at the beginning of of 2014 in London. Um, Apparently, um, somebody that has read for a elderly male role, Sir Ben Kingsley. Nice. Which which could be interesting. I hope
1: he plays the exact same role he played in Iron Man 3. <laughs> but I'll let you guys decide which version. Trevor Slattery. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um that I mean what do you guys
0: think about that? Kingsley sure. and Star Wars.
2: Why not? Sure. Ben Kingsley's an interesting interesting uh, career choices these days because he's I mean he's such a well respected, uh, Oscar caliber actor. I mean, he has an Oscar. Um, and then like the, he's been jumping into a lot of these sorts of uh franchise type type movies recently. Great I think cash, that's really Yeah, oh, yeah, totally. And good for him. I'm not judging it at all. <laughs> I just think it's interesting when a guy goes his whole career really kind of staying away from that sort of movie and then in in a, in a, quick turnaround, suddenly he's in uh, you know, he's doing Iron Man
1: 3 and he's doing Ender's Game And um... hey, Here's a trick I'll, I'll teach you. Um, it almost is always right. I, I, I don't want to be libelous or anything slanderous here, but whenever I notice that about an actor, I go, wow, he seems to be cashing in a lot lately. I always check the old Wikipedia and they're always just recently divorced. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, you never know. Stuff happens in life, you know? You sure, got to get yeah. that got to get, you know, you can have all the artistic integrity you want in the 90s cuz you're you you got the you got the money, but then, you know, all of a sudden that money, a couple bad investments or a, a wife walks away and, yeah, hey, yeah, let's do it. What are we doing? Uh, yeah, I'll play a <laughs> drunken actor that's a super villain. Sure. How much? Yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll put tattoos all over my face. F-
1: yeah. For a huge yeah.
0: game. Sure. We're gonna yeah we're gonna have fun talking about an enders game here in a few weeks. I know mm-hmm. Kingsley's gonna have a have a good role in that one. That one's gonna be good. It's gonna be good fun to talk about at least if it's not a good movie. Yeah. Um. So some other people that have read apparently, and I don't know how y'all feel about this. You know the female role we've been we've been discussing that is inevitable gonna be inevitably gonna be cast for this for this movie. Saoirse Ronan. Yeah. Or salary's Ronin I don't know how to pronounce her first name. Uh, from the Lovely Bones and some other movies, has be, has apparently auditioned, and she apparently auditioned like with a lightsaber, doing combat stuff and things like that. And also, rumored Chloe Moretz has talked apparently or something for for Star Wars Seven. So they're they're looking for that young teenage girl role and i said emma watson is the go to i mean if it's not her i just it's got to be elizabeth olsen i mean who do you who else do you go to at this point you know like
1: they're uh, a little older though i mean they're both in their
0: yeah 20s. i feel like saurai's ronin is that old no she's mean, uh she's just right. she'll turn she's 19 so yeah i mean i i feel she, like i feel like emma watson can play a teenager though i mean I just do. <laughs> I know she
1: can, but is she? I don't think she wants to play a teenager anymore. Is the issue? Uh, I don't know. I think
0: she'll be in. She'd be in Star Wars. That's my opinion. But I mean, what? What? What do you guys think about that? Who? Who would you rather have? Have those two?
2: Uh, I like Ronan. I think uh, Chloe Grace Moretz is an is a really really good actress, really talented actress. But I think I feel like Ron, and But I think Ronan is too, and I feel like she fits. I mean, at this point, we're pretty sure she's going to be playing. Uh, she's going to be playing Han and Leia's kid, so I think she fits the the part a little bit better than the Moretz does. And she she has some real acting chops. Uh, yeah. I've seen her in several things, and I, I always come away. I, I I'm looking at her filmography, and I I very rarely have enjoyed the movies that she's been in, but I've always felt like she was very good in them. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that that's, I love Emma Watson and I, I'd be fine if they went that direction, but I don't think that's going to happen. And I do think that they're, you know, it, it could be difficult for her to go from Harry Potter directly yeah, to Star not Wars. Want, you
1: don't want to do that. Too big of a commitment again. Yeah.
2: So I think, I think Ronan is a good choice for that, for that role. Cool. Richard.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't care or i mean it's not that i don't care <laughs> i just i think i trust whoever they cast is who they cast and I, I don't really have any you know we have no idea what this character is so uh aside from being it's, like, it's,
0: it's uh yeah it's it's one of the twin daughters or there's gonna be yeah. a guy and a girl and they're gonna be twins just like yeah. leia and, and luke
1: but so. i just mean i, I don't really Spoiler know alert
0: for empire strikes back by the way or <laughs> yeah turn of the jedi so sorry um
1: uh, but i just mean i don't really know like you know, what, what, what we're looking for here. Are they an action hero? Or are they a damsel in distress? You know, what What do they end up being? We don't know. So, um, you know, I, whoever they cast, they cast. I mean, I, I, I trust people who are making this movie. I, you know, Mark Ham... I always make this point when we talk about Star Wars casting. Mark Hamill is the lead in Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's Star Wars. You know, Mark Hamill... Oh, it definitely to-
0: matters. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Leave Jake Lloyd to prove
0: it to us that's, that it matters. But
1: that's... But that's... I mean, that's a bad, those are bad movies. I mean, if it's not Jake Lloyd, if it's young uh, Daniel Day Lewis, does that make those movies that much better? Mm, Yeah. I mean, if the movie's good, (laughs) (laughs) if the movie's good, it'll be, it's, you know, like Mark Hamill went on to never do anything, and he's perfect in that part. So as long as it's right for the part, it's good. If it's somebody I've never heard of, great. Don't care. Star Wars is the star, no pun intended, of, of these movies.
0: Yeah, who who from Star Trek do we think is gonna get get moved over? You know, because we know Abrams is gonna try to work with people he's worked with before. So who do we think is gonna end up making the transition?
2: I mean, you know, Peg C- would love Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. Yeah, we've, we've Cumberbatch, already said Simon hopefully Peg. Cumberbatch. Yeah, uh, I, I don't see Zoe can take- Saldana maybe. I don't think you can take any of those. I don't think you can take like Chris Pine or Zachary Quinto or any of those guys, but I know Simon Pegg would love to jump over cause he's just such a star Wars nut and Cumberbatch would be the, the most logical choice. Cause he's really not necessarily connected to that franchise anymore. You know I mean? You don't necessarily have to come back to his character ever again. Whereas I think Pegg is part of the core of what makes that, that franchise work at this point. Yeah.
0: Um, What's her name? Alice Eve. I hope she's involved somehow.
1: (laughs) Yes, me too. More More importantly, yeah.
2: In the same outfit, probably. (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
0: Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh, it's sourced from local farms, and there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now, and they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. All right, guys, let's do this.
2: It's down. I can't it's down. I
0: can't uh, – Give me a fiddle. Uh, I told you nothing. I see – Man, Brian. Yeah. Where do we begin? I mean you and I walked out of the theater together, didn't really talk about it uh, yeah. at all. But I mean I saw that you immediately tweeted, probably tweeting while driving, which – I mean you risked your life for that tweet. Right. But it was worth it.
2: Because, it was.
0: Um Man, this movie was, was just crazy. Before, before you guys give your initial impressions, this is one of, the, one of the best movies I've ever seen. I just want to go out and say, and say that. And uh, uh, if, if I die tomorrow and, and people were like, yeah, but he thought Gravity was one of the best movies he's ever seen. I'm perfectly fine with that. Uh, <laughs> I, I just – I mean I've seen – I see hundreds of movies in my life, thousands of movies. And I, I go to the theater multiple times a week. And there's very very few experiences that I can recall that made me feel like that. That this movie made me feel. <laughs> and Your yeah. Jurassic Park is one of them, and The Dark Knight, and this. You know, And there's it's it's a very rare nowadays in cinema for me to feel that way leaving a theater. Sure. And I just wanted to say that, and we'll talk about more specifically why I felt that way. But I mean, I just I was so riveted. Watching this film, I mean, Brian and I—we sat next to each other, and we we didn't even look at each other the whole time, I and mean, we were just both just mesmerized, really, yeah. by this. So, so Brian, did you, just give me your initial thoughts, because I'm curious, just as curious as as Richard is, because I was there with you, and I don't even know really what what you think. So, go for it.
2: I would like to start off with a list of names today, uh, if you'll if you'll allow me a list of six names. Uh, Nick McCarthy of Slant Magazine, Eric Weber of NECN, Jeffrey Overstreet of Looking Closer, Michelle Alexandria of Eclipse Magazine, Ben Knigsberg of the AV Club, and Gerald Perry, I guess, of Arts Fuse. Those are the six critics on Rotten Tomatoes who gave this a rotten rating, and I would like to invite all of them to die and never, <laughs> ever review a film ever again, especially Michelle Alexandria, who the quote that they got for, uh, for Rotten Tomatoes is, quote, Bullock and Clooney are good at playing themselves, but it felt like they phoned it in, making them feel shallow. Some nice Some nice visuals but nothing that we haven't seen in far better space films. Um, wow. No. Wrong on every front. I, I wrote in my review, and this is the type of movie that, like, I almost don't want to write a review for because there's nothing that I could put into word that in any way lives up to what I had just experienced on the screen. Um, but I wrote in my review that I've seen hundreds of maybe even maybe even a thousand movies about space over my my years of watching movies because I am a, such a sci-fi nerd. I love space movies. I watch tons and tons of them. I've never seen anything that looks like this movie looks um there's i've I mean some of the stuff that Koran is doing here is tr- honestly is truly unbelievable it, it it's you understand after you come out of this why. It took so long to make this movie. If you don't know, the movie, he's had this plan for... He hasn't made a movie since 2006. Um, And part of the reason was, after Children of Men, which I'd love to talk about Children of Men at some point, but after Children of Men in 2006, he he went in to make this movie and realized that the technology that he needed to do this did not exist. And so this is a truly unique... Honestly, this is a a once-in-a-lifetime... Uh, film going experience, if for nothing else than just for the visual experience. It's, it's, uh, I look, I, I, uh, I'm gonna make my claim as to where I, I think this falls in terms of just the overall movie and where it falls in the history of film. Um, but that's up for debate. I don't feel like this statement is up for debate. This is the best shot film I have ever seen. So, yeah. I, and I, I, I don't feel like that... Like, if this doesn't win all of the cinematography awards come Oscar and everything else season, I, like, I might quit watching all award shows. Like, this... I, I'm dead serious. Like, this is the best-looking film I have ever seen in my life. Nice. Wow. That's... it's. I mean, I, I can't disagree
0: with you, Brian. I, 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 I All I have to say to the... Other movies coming out this year, and the other directors—good freaking luck! Because I mean, I just like this. How is how is the Academy
2: not going to like drool all over this movie? Come, I'm gonna I'm gonna host, tell you, know you what I, mean? I later on. I'm gonna tell you why this is not going to win Best Picture. But I would love to hear Richard's thoughts. Yeah, on Richard, so Talk it. to us about Gravity.
1: Uh, well, uh, I saw on Saturday, uh. And without you guys, and in the words of of noted laureate um, John Mayer, <laughs> "Gravity, stay the hell away from me." This movie, <laughs> this movie was awful. I'm gonna kill you. i just kidding. I just want to hear the reaction. No, it's masterful. Um, I just wanted to get that joke in. Um, this is, uh, yeah. I mean, I remember. I would compare it, because uh, I saw both the same way on IMAX, and I mean it's it's much like Avatar, which is probably a bigger movie visually. Um, but whereas Avatar, like a year later, looks stupid. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think this will. It has this. It has this great technology and all that stuff, but it also has this um, artistic flair to it that Avatar does not have. Totally. Uh, and it's it's the performances I think are are really quite good um because you know your your face is obscured and all that good stuff in in a lot of it uh but it's it, it, it's a very intimate movie um and that's where a lot of the nerves I think came from obviously, but it's it the the beauty of this movie is how intimate the story is but how huge the the scenes are, yeah. And the visuals, and how those two things play off each other, to me, that's the star of the movie. Uh, Sandra Bullock is—I'm not a fan, but she's excellent. Uh, I'm trying to just talk about the stuff you guys haven't ta- obviously. Visuals are the star of the movie; they're great. Blah blah blah. it on a huge screen, all that good stuff. But uh, I'm trying to—you know performances I thought were very good. Um and and yeah, I can't wait to see. Korea, I I love Children of Men uh, too. Uh, Brian, and I love Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. Uh, so, this guy's, I mean, with this, though, I think really cements himself as, you know, the top three to five director out there right now. Uh, yeah. In somebody, a creative force. So, so, kudos. I had huge hype going into this. Obviously, the trailers were incredible. Hype, hype was, was surpassed easily. So, uh,. You know, I'll let you guys talk more because you guys are more the cinematographer experts than I. Sure. The opening shot of this film,
0: uh, I mean, the the soundtrack just goes berserk. I mean, if you're not a 3D person and and it's perfectly, Brian, and I know you're not a 3D guy, but it's perfectly understandable that you're not a 3D person. But if you go see this in IMAX, go see an IMAX just for the sound.
1: Because yeah, the sound
0: yeah. in this movie is truly, awesome. truly incredible. Um, but So the sound goes crazy, and then it just automatically just shuts off. Just really quick, abruptly stops, and the words yep. gravity come up on the screen. And the next thing you see is um, planet Earth in full, vivid 3D. Gosh. And, and the shot just stays there for a good minute or two. And you slowly start to see a ship you know floating by the earth's um shadow i mean cast a shadow on the earth and i mean when that shot when i saw that shot and i mean i just sat there and just started grinning yeah and i was just i was just so i mean just happy <laughs> i just can't really explain it you know um yeah and i think you had the feeling i mean the feeling was palpable in the theater i felt like everyone kind of felt i mean cuz it was so bright yeah. and everything and it was just so vivid and gorgeous, and it just really made you feel small, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. when else are you going to see the Earth like that? And so the opening shot of the movie is is one solid shot, Gosh. and I paid very... I mean, I'm an editor. I'm a, I, I, I edit video. I mean, that's what I do. So, I mean, I paid close attention to the editing in this film, and the camera does not cut away Yeah. until Sandra Bullock is floating into space, and yeah. the, the ship... I mean, it does not... Cut. I mean, say you press record at the beginning; it does not stop recording until she floats away. I mean, it's one solid shot, and it's absolutely amazing that how they do that. I just don't. I don't know how they did it. I just yeah. don't understand how they. I mean, and I'm a film. I've gone to film school, and I've learned about filmmaking techniques, and I just. I'm stumped as yeah. to how they did it. You know, it's just truly, truly incredible. And I mean, the the, the opening shot alone is just amazing with the with the The ship floating towards the camera and, you know, the ship turns just the precise moment to see the characters' faces. I mean, just the way that that was planned out by Cuaron and envisioned is just truly incredible. Yeah. Um, And it's just full of moments like that. And the sound – one more thing I want to say about the sound is just the sound of space. Mm -hmm. I don't know. They just nailed it. It it was like you were hearing space from inside the helmets of the two main characters. And it became most evident when – at the beginning, when, before they start – she starts floating into space when she's trying to fix the telescope and she's got like the screwdriver and she's trying to screw in the screws. And you can hear the sounds of the screws being screwed into this, the spaceship or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's and all just, you can hear. And that's it's all you the, can hear. is yeah. just the breathing in that. Yeah, and yeah. it was just so effective. It's just mm-hmm. so mind-blowing <laughs> how something so simple could be so effective just the sound design in this movie was just un yeah. freaking belie- like the visuals aside and 3d aside I'm
2: saying like the editing and sound yeah were incredible I mean it's it's the whole thing and I, yeah. I tried to explain it to somebody uh, that asked me how you know how is the movie and I, I the best I could say was it's really not a movie it's it's this is an experience and it's the between the 3d and I hate 3d um, I, I I can only think of two or maybe three other movies that besides Gravity that I've that I've ever seen that I felt like the 3D was justified and and worthwhile. Um, but the 3D here plus the IMAX screen plus the sound plus Kit I don't know if you felt this way but like the theater we were in was frigid like it was yes. just such a yeah. cold theater. Yeah. Um, we talk all the time about how frustrated we get with the other moviegoers in our in our theaters just because, it, you know, people on their freaking phones yeah. or talking or whatever, there was none of that in our screening because... It's dead. It, Silent. It's dead. And I don't think... I don't think it... I would be shocked if anybody went to a movie, went to see this movie and they weren't experiencing the same thing because I think this is like a movie that like as soon as it starts, you are just completely absorbed and you really... You just kind of sit there for 90 minutes and you don't move you barely breathe like it's just such an immersive experience it's it's it is the most immersive experience i've ever had in a theater well uh,
1: got, got some bad news for you on the uh, oh, during the movie front <laughs> son of a gun thanks america thanks for ruining my theory but uh yeah they were they were i had some chatters behind me and some phone users in front of me and all that good stuff uh, you know some guy just didn't have the glasses on like the whole time and this Aww. is like a really in a weird way a passive way more passive way of driving me insane more than the talkers because the whole time i'm like half watching this beautiful masterpiece and yeah. then half going like put your glasses on dude like what's the right. point why are you yeah. here what are you, you looking paid at 15 dollars to be here why are yeah. you not why are you Has not someone not told glasses? you did they not give you glasses do you think yeah. this movie looks like i don't know what the visuals are why is everyone raving about that it's just a boring mess like it was just about that so I was there half the time so I hate that guy for ruining it for me but uh, yeah. yeah
0: how amazing is it though that there's three people in this movie yeah Sandra Bullock George Clooney and the person that plays the voiceover for Houston and here, yes. yeah we and we don't even get to see the guy that Spoiler alert! The
2: other guy that dies right at the beginning.
1: Why does Ed Harris always play control room guys? <laughs> I don't
2: know. He's got. He has a great voice. You got to yeah. give him that. Like that is the. Well, the they gr- came
1: to him with this. Didn't he have to kind of be like, I've done. I mean, I'm glad he did it.
2: Sure, sure. but I mean,
1: it's basically just Truman Show and Apollo 13 yeah. all over again. I'm
0: sure he's pretty glad that I wouldn't say no to Alfonso Cuaron if I was, if I was Ed Harris who hasn't done anything decent in a long time. Um, but man, there's just so many, so many things to talk about here. What, 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 what do you guys want to talk talk about specifically? You have to see
2: it. You need to see it in 3D, and you need to find the the, the biggest screen you can possibly get your get your eyes on. You know, because it's yeah. just such a incredible experience. I, Richard, I'm with you. I hate. I really, really don't like Sandra Bullock in really anything. Uh, maybe at least in the last decade. But I thought she. I think she's a shoe in for uh, for at least a nomination for best actress. I think she was just great in this, and it seemed she seemed like the most human that I've ever seen her portray. Like it it was kind of strange to me because I always feel like she's very wooden and and inhuman. I don't believe her as a human being, let alone as whatever character she's playing. Um, but I think that that just plays into this whole, the the whole feel of the movie is like a documentary with the greatest camera of all time. Yeah. 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 Um, the most amazing thing,
0: one of the most amazing shots in the, in the movie was, you know, when she's spinning into space and spinning into space and Corone has said that that's the first image that they came up with for this movie Mm was somebody just just tumbling into space helpless like that but but when that's happening and she, you know Sandra Bullock is is total panic mode but they, you know they put the camera inside her helmet basically yeah. and it's a POV of her spinning and you see what she sees at that moment and it was just amazing yeah <laughs> to i mean there's no other way that that could have been done really that effectively um no. and it seems such like such an obvious idea to do that, and it's it's like putting the audience through a roller coaster ride there, and it's trusting that they're gonna visually be able to take it. But I mean, it was just so amazing the choice that quora made there. Yeah. Uh, to and there's a lot of t- stuff like that, like um, like moments where the the camera's inside her helmet and and she has to look over at the space station where when she's floating away. And she f- physically turns her head left, and the camera moves left. You know, like you yeah. really feel like it's almost documentary style or found footage, but yeah. not like not cheesy found footage though. Right. I mean, it was just a right. perfect blend of like all these elements of sci-fi mm-hmm. that we've come to know and love through Stanley Kubrick and Steven Spielberg and all the people that have come before him. You know, Robert Zemeckis with Contact, and and so many so many times before we've seen these same methods, but. Quarone just does it in a way that's just amazing. Like I just, I, I'm just floored by by his effort here. Yeah. And and not only his effort, but his vision that his, his never really strayed from the path here. I mean, you look at the credits. This movie was written, directed, and edited by Alfonso Cuarón. I mean, that's just right. an amazing thing uh, to to behold in a in a time where I mean. There's rewrites and rewrites and rewrites and rewrites every five minutes. The Lone Ranger had 80 rewrites or whatever. <laughs> I mean he said I, – I was watching an interview with him and, he, and and they were like, how long did it take you to, to come up with this and you know write the movie? He's like, well, once I came up with the idea, it took me about two and a half to three weeks to write the script. Yeah. And they're like, really? He's like, yeah, well, screenplays either take five years or three weeks.
2: <laughs> yeah. And he
0: said usually the good ones take three weeks. So, I mean you could just tell – from the beginning that this was something good. I mean, it was all, it's all about the vision. Yeah. And and that's and that's what's most commendable here. And that's why I think he'll win best director. Even if it doesn't win best picture, he'll win best director.
2: He should for sure. The yeah. The
0: vision here and the execution was absolutely flawless. And there are stories of him in the studio saying, "Well, you need to have more flashbacks. Well, you need to have a love story going on between Mission Control and Sandra Bullock. And you know, you need there's they're trying to add more destruction in, in it. And he was just saying no to all the Hollywood people, you know, yelling at him to make it a Hollywood movie. Right. And it paid off like crazy. I mean, oh, this, is a, this is the highest grossing movie ever in October.
2: Right. Um, and it didn't loop- cost him that much to make. Like, for yeah. what he's doing here on that. Co- I mean, imagine if. Imagine a Disney budget on this. You know what I mean? Like, I, and I don't yeah. want that. I don't want it to, do, to change anything,
1: but and, and you've got two of crazy. the highest paid actors out there too. I mean, yeah. Sandra Bullock and Clooney's quotes are not cheap either. It was still right. cheap. Yeah. Um, this movie made
0: $6 million yesterday on a yeah. Monday.
2: It's going to have great word of mouth.
0: It's going to, this movie is going to make a lot of money. Yeah. This and is going to be around for a while. I think
2: shocking thing to me was that it, it made, Eighty percent of its take came from 3D screenings. Oh yeah, uh, because the word's out. You know, you have yeah. to. You know, if you can get me to say you have to go see this movie in 3D, then then you've done something. You know. Yeah. Um, but to your point, I, I think one of the main one of the main reasons this is such a successful uh, experience is because the plot is so simple. There's not much... That it, it totally makes sense to me that they could, they could write this in two or three weeks because there's not... There's not a lot of dialogue. There's not... There's really no twists. You know, it starts as this and it, it needs to end as this. And so here we go. And uh, as somebody who loves complex storylines, um, this was the perfect way to do this movie. You know, it's 90 minutes long. There's yeah. no twists and turns. It's kind of like the exact opposite of inception, which is the last movie that I put the title uh, that I, that I slapped the label of masterpiece on was inception. And it's, it's such a complete opposite movie because inception is so complex and complicated and, and, uh, long and all all the things that, that gravity is, is not. And it suits this film to absolute perfection the way that Quran did it.
0: Yeah. What, what were y'all, some of y'all's favorite parts? Um, let's, Let's start. Let's talk about some of the, some of the highlights here. My favorite sequence in the movie is where George Clooney straps um, Sandra Bullock to his pack, and you know he sort of jetpacks her like a dog's leash or something yeah. um, to the next space station, and that was just inc- amazing. And, and there's no way in real life that that stuff happens. Like you're just floating around in space with a jetpack going wherever you want i mean that just seems impossible to me doesn't it?
2: it it probably is and i've seen a ton of like uh you know physicists and and uh people who are much smarter than me come out and 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 debunk some of the stuff that happens and my my answer to that is i don't care i don't care that it's not realistic i didn't i didn't ask gravity to be a totally factual Documentary on the Discovery Channel, you know what I mean? Like it's a movie, and they created a world, and they absolutely stuck to the the rules that were created within the world. Because and you're right, that that scene is incredible. The, the um, yeah,
0: just the just George Clooney like um trying to encourage Bullock's character, like you're going to make it through this, and the whole. I just really like the character building that happens from point A to point B there. And the visuals are amazing too. I oh, mean, gosh, that yeah. was one of the most visually stunning and simple scenes of the whole of the whole movie. But let's go into spoiler zone now because we can't really go any further without talking spoilers. Okay, spoiler alert coming up now for Gravity. So they so Corone has quite the uh, quite the gonads to kill off Clooney in this movie. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I was pretty shocked
1: about that. Um, I did not expect that at all. I knew it was coming. Did you? I did too. Yeah, because there's no way Bullock would have top billing over Clooney if they were equally in the movie as much. Oh, really? Yeah, I sure. didn't he's, notice that. It's it's on all the posters and everything. It's Sandra Bullock on top, George Clooney on bottom. George Clooney's the biggest movie star on the planet. He'd be number one if, if they're in an equal. I knew yeah. right when I saw that he's dying halfway through.
0: Yeah. yeah. And that's, I mean, it's interesting the way they do it. And it's... I mean, just that the premise of this movie is, is factual. I mean, just... So so people, in case you're listening to this and you don't know what fact or fiction, the premise of the satellites being destroyed in the debris field circulating the Earth is a factual phenomenon that has been studied. And, you know, a lot of satellites have been knocked out of the sky because other satellites have been knocked out of the sky. This chain reaction thing is real. Um, but... I mean, there's that's that obvious Hollywood trope that they put in there of the countdown, like we have 90 minutes until the right the set, you know, the debris field comes back. I mean, it, which is fine, you know, that's it was a perfect use of that. Though. It's a perfect right. use of it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If you're going to yeah. have that, this is the perfect way to do it. Um, and and I think that's where, you know, those three people you named, four people you named, I mean, that that's probably their main argument for. That, that this falls by the wayside as something that they've seen before, but I just don't know how they can say say that. I just don't. I just don't understand how someone that can review films professionally yeah. can say that. I just don't. I just don't get it. Um, yeah. But uh, what what did you think about about Bullock on her own? I, I really think she held her own here, and and I was <laughs> it was so funny when so she gets back to the. Whatever space station, you know, she takes off all her spacesuit and everything, and when she starts floating, you know, in her like street clothes and everything, and you just feel that sense of relaxation with her, don't you?
2: Yeah, you know, totally, totally. Like, totally.
0: and when um, Clinty starts knocking on the door mm-hmm. of the of the ship, I was like, what is going on? And um, he comes in there and starts, you know. Just widening up the room, just like nothing happened. You know, I was like, that's perfect, Clooney. He played nope. that part absolutely perfect when he came in there. I was like, oh man, it's a hell of a story. Wait till I tell you. You know, just yeah. playing it the most badass way he possibly could. Um, but I guess it was a dream, obviously. Or yeah, something. she was passing was out. Hallucinating yeah. or something. No, I I so. thought
2: that, uh, look, I, I've said for a long time, I think that. I think that that is the hardest thing to do in acting is to be the only person on the screen for an extended period of time. And I, I say that because Tom Hanks is the most likable actor probably ever in American history. And I hate Castaway and I hate him in Castaway because I just get so tired of just Tom Hanks with his stinking volleyball. And, uh, so if, if, it, if it's hard for Hanks to do, um, then I, 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 I truly believe that that's, it's one of the most difficult things to do in acting. And I, I, I feel like Bullock pulled it off um, extremely well. And I, you know part of that is due in this case a lot it's due to Koran as well because he, as soon as it gets to a point where Bullock is on her own, he moves the plot along at a much, I think a much faster pace. Um, yeah. To kind of keep you from getting sucked into just having to deal with just Sandra Bullock for for an extended period of time, um, but man, she did a great job with that, and that is it is a really difficult thing to pull off.
0: Yeah, um, Richard, anything you particularly liked about Gravity other than the overall movie? Yeah, no,
1: I like the way he, the the way he kind of used deception and the way that they kind of had those flashbacks and then you know, the, the turns out she's hallucinating and getting advice and hallucinating, things like that. Uh, I like that. I like the ending a lot. Um, I like that they didn't, you know, add a pro or an epilogue or anything. Yeah. Uh, that it just kind of ends, uh, fittingly. Um, dude, Richard, I don't know, (laughs)
2: this is maybe off topic, but in this movie that's like horrifying and this is what it's like to be lost in space and all this. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the thing that, that killed me the most that like made me the most terrified was the like 20 seconds when she was underwater <laughs> like that oh yeah it shows she... what, a, what a freak i am about water but i thought of you in that moment because i know you kind of share my my fear yeah. of, of the ocean but when she sinks to the bottom and you're like is she gonna drown is this how this is gonna end where she you know she makes it out of freaking space and then she drowns in twenty <laughs> water on earth like that that horrified me. Like I really got nervous during that that, you know, 30 seconds or whatever it is.
0: It works not only in a total visceral sense but in a total metaphorical sense too. I mean, there's so many so many ways you can interpret this movie. You know what I mean? It it says so much. It has so much depth to it about loss of communication with people, you know. Sure. You know, lack of commitment to others, just, I mean, you, you, we talked about prisoners and Brian, you said the one of the first things you wanted to do was hug your son, you know, after right. you saw that. This gave me the same feeling. Sure. You know, it's like you take for granted gravity <laughs> if that's a uh, possible, yeah. you know, it's just when, when, when she grabs the sand at the end of the movie and just realizes that she, she's going to be okay. And that I'm just totally transfixed by this movie.
2: I just I don't I don't know what else, what else to say. I mean, yeah. It's it might for me it's it's one of the 10 best movies I've ever seen. I I yeah. thought about that a lot and I I can't give you a list of 10 movies off the top of my head that that are the, you know, would be my personal 10 best movies of all time. I I mean, you don't get this kind of movie going experience uh, very often at all. I mean, we're talking decades in between this kind of this kind of experience I mean, this sure. is, so but I will say as I, I said at the beginning of our talk it's not gonna win best picture because it's gonna get nominated I'm sure it will but uh, when it comes time for all of the voters to catch up on everything they're gonna go see this on a 42 inch TV in their living room and it's sure. not gonna translate Great point. Um, so I I would I would love for Look, we're real early in the in the game to start talking about you know what's going to win Best Picture. I was looking at December yesterday, I guess, uh, and I think there were 17 movies that were coming out in in December, and 14 of them looked good to great to legendary. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's just yeah. this is a, this is an insane year for award caliber films. Um, but when man, it's this is not. And that, so I I say that to the. The listener more than anything else. If you haven't seen this movie yet, you've got to get out and see it. You cannot wait for this to get to DVD or Blu-ray because it's it's you're you will not be seeing the same movie that we saw.
0: Sure, yeah, do it seriously. You have to see it in 3D IMAX if possible. It's worth driving up to an hour to two hours to see it in IMAX. It is. I think
2: I, I have a cousin that lives in uh, in Abilene. And uh, they asked me about about the movie, and I was, and I said, "Look, it's it's so great, but please don't go see it in Abilene. You need to drive up to Dallas, go see yeah. it in IMAX 3D, and and see it, you know, experience it for real. Because it's man, it really is. It's it's just a different movie. And I sound like a pretentious film snob saying that, but I really feel comfortable with that. You know, like you're yeah. not seeing the same movie if you're not seeing it in that setting.
0: Sure." It makes me really, really glad I have a 3D TV because I'll, I'll get to experience somewhat, somewhat the same thing. This might be the best, one of the best movies I've ever seen. I mean, it, it really is, and and we can go all day and sit here and talk about more specifically what we liked about it. But it's just such a great experience. I mean, it, above all, these are the movies we wait for. You know, these yeah. are the movies. We this is why we do this podcast is for things like this, and and you know, experiences like this come out. My point I was gonna make was every person I've told to see this movie and who has seen it has simply texted me texted me or called me and said, Wow. I yeah. mean that's all they could say. And I think that's that's the that's all I could say coming out of this movie was wow. I mean that that's what I tweeted right afterwards was wow. You know, I mean that's that those are my feelings. I haven't stopped thinking about it since it came out since I saw it I want to see it again I almost saw it today again I want yeah. to see it one more time before it's out of out of the theaters and IMAX I mean if you if you're going to if you own an IMAX theater only show this movie like, <laughs> right like just yeah. permanent permanent permanently have gravity playing and you'll do fine and I'll go I'll be at your theater almost every weekend yeah. uh, but man it's a, like you said it's just a really tough movie season we're going to have to see I'm holding out hope. I really, really think this is going to... People are going to be talking about this come February. I mean, it's... Think about Argo. I mean, Argo came out this time last year, and we're like, yeah, it's good, but there's still a lot of stuff coming out. And you you can't discount the pop culture appeal that this has, because this is making a ton of money, and people are talking about this. And I don't know if people are going to be talking about, you know, whatever, Dallas Buyers Club in December like they're talking about gravity you know something like that so we're gonna have to see on that one but I mean this movie is just amazing so let's move on guys and uh, let's see Weekly Recommends
2: Weekly Recommends
0: I'm gonna give mine real fast Uh, an album is coming out this Tuesday it just came out on iTunes you can stream it uh, this week if you're listening to this podcast right when it comes out or you can just buy this album on vinyl or on Amazon or something if you're listening to this Later. Uh, Pearl Jam, Lightning Bolts. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Really interesting album. Pearl Jam are definitely back at it. I can't wait to see them um, this coming November when they come to Dallas. But, I mean, they're back at their game. I just really enjoy their music, and they seem to make music for a reason again. And that's what's most appealing about their music to me is the honesty in, that I can see in it. And... Um, I mean, I just—it just brings back a lot of good nostalgic memories of, of yeah, Pearl totally. Jam and stuff, and and it's just solid. And and a solid record is is not something that comes out every week anymore. So, sure. you know, um, I'm sure we'll talk about more albums as the year goes on, but uh, Pearl Jam Lightning Bolt is my is Sweet. my week to recommend. So, Brian?
2: Yeah, uh, I, I second that. By the way, I listened to a couple of tracks and I I love yeah. it. Uh, and I'm a huge. The Eddie Vedder concert last year at Fair uh, Park was the best concert I've ever been to. Like, it was just nice. He, he blew my mind. Incredible. Um, my pick this week is another podcast. Uh, I've done that once or twice before, but uh, maybe a week or so ago, Bill Simmons on the, uh, the BS report from Grantland had uh, Robert Smigel on, uh, nice. who is a, an SNL alum. And uh, his, he, he's known uh, Conan O'Brien. He was one of the original writers on Conan O'Brien, and he is <laughs> probably most well known for uh, for Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. Um, I like 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 Richard, and I, I think like you as well, can I'm I'm fascinated with Saturday Night Live and with late night talk shows and uh, all that stuff. Just it's just I don't know why necessarily, but it just. I'll listen to or read anything about uh, about that that setting, and so he just talked for about an hour and fifteen minutes about his experiences in the movie industry and TV industry and yeah. Lauren Michaels and Conan O'Brien and all these these tremendously influential comedic people that we that we know and love, and uh, it was one of the more like Simmons is a really. I think is a solid interviewer, but he, he does attempt to throw maybe a little bit too much of himself into each of his podcasts, I would say. This is one where he just kind of shut up and let Smigel talk and just asked him, just basically asked him questions about specific stories he had heard about and got Smigel to tell the story. And uh, so it's it's like an hour and 15 minutes of story time. About the good days of Saturday Night Live and Conan O'Brien and stuff like that. So uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, highly recommend it. And it was, I think it was about a week and a half ago that it came out. So BS Report with Bill Simmons uh, with uh, Robert Schmeigel. Richard
1: Barden, Weekly Recommend. My Weekly Recommend is a, is a product. I don't know if I've done a product yet. <laughs> nope, nice. you haven't. It. Uh, it's a. Location management product. <laughs> you know where I'm going? Yeah, <laughs> this title. Is brand new thing I learned about. Um, I uh, This is a, a product called an e-track. And an e-track is something you can track your, your, your family members with. Uh, you can track your pets. You can track assets that are worth a lot. And it has a little panic button on it, so if they're in danger, they can press a button and send a text and or email to you. Um, it's available on eTrack.com, E-T-R-A-K.com. Uh, I heard their, their company structure is great. They have a great sales team uh, in place. Uh, and they're just really on the up and up. So I'm going to recommend No, But seriously, it really is a cool product a company I work for. Um, but I, I think, you know, I've been doing, working on this project for a couple years now, and, uh, we're, it's finally live and all that good stuff. And it's a really, it's probably really help a lot of people. Um, and, and we were, we've, we, we sell to a lot of different verticals, but we think that, you know, the healthy people is our thing we're most passionate for. So check out com some cool videos on there, show you how the thing works. It's not as creepy as it seems. It's not like big brother tracking. It's like for your family. So, you know, where yeah, your it's st- like,
0: it's like putting it on your dog's collar and if your yeah. dog gets lost, you know where your dog is. It's very yeah. simple. Exactly. Um, But, Richard, if I get E-Track, well, I
1: always know. You will always know with (laughs) E-Track. Good. Thank you. Hopefully. Uh, Good recommend, Richard. I can back it up. E-Track is awesome. But I've been on for three hours we've been recording, and I'm going to try to make some money at the end of it, you know? Exactly. I don't blame you. Um, Well, anything else you guys want to mention about
0: Gravity before we get out of here?
1: See it. See it. Right now, just break into a the theater and see it.
0: Man, this, guys, I just want to say one more time, man, this was just an awesome, really cool experience to see with you, Brian, and to talk about
1: with you yeah, guys. And hey, be to honest, though, more to come. I hate to, hate to, you know, interrupt you, but better movie-going experience, Gravity with Brian or Now You See Me with me. <laughs> you know, be honest. Equal, but for completely
0: different reasons. Yeah, totally. Um, I think we're going to have enough conversations about both It's and it's gonna be about even I think
1: Kent I've had a couple listeners uh, I know we gotta go but I've had a couple listeners contact me on Twitter that they want they're a local too so they want to have a now you see me watching party with the three of us <laughs> it's happening okay just email them back say whatever um, but yeah on
0: that note until next time we will see you at the cinema
1: bye bye
0: goodbye bye Gravity is working against
1: me. And gravity
0: wants to bring me down. Oh, I'll never know what makes this man.